I will say even later in life, I've done free projects because I want to do it. And how creative can I be to make this really dope? 100% the secret sauce to success as a filmmaker is to do unpaid projects that you're passionate about because passion is the secret ingredient that gives you your very best product. And that very first passion project that I ever created was literally what got us connected. What's going on, everybody? This is Joey Nicotra, your host of the Rough Cut Club, and you are tuning in for the very first episode. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Woohoo! Yeah. Yeah, so I got my co-host here, my business partner, CEO, extraordinaire, entrepreneur, and good friend, Mr. Shane Reitzhammer. Shane, what's going on, brother? It's going, man. Glad to be uh, finally doing this with you, uh, kicking off the podcast episode one. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna figure it out, make it up as we go, and uh, hopefully give some good content. Hopefully, we uh, we've been talking about doing this podcast now for probably over a year, um, and it's been sitting on the back burner. But we wanted to finally take some time to uh, jump into this thing and provide some value for filmmakers, get connected with everyone, and see if we can uh, do a podcast properly. So it's good to be here. Yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, what's, our, what's our first topic, man? What are, we, what are we doing today? So the very first thing, we wanted to take it back to the basics, uh, talk a little bit about our story, just getting started as filmmakers, because I know there's a lot of y'all out there who are also getting started as filmmakers, trying to build a business, trying to build your craft. And we wanted to talk about our story, take it back to when we were getting started as filmmakers so that hopefully it could help somebody else who's also getting started as well. So, Yeah, we're going to have to dig deep in the archives here for this yes. guy. I think I... Uh, <laughs> I started filmmaking back, uh, I guess, professionally in 2010 when I launched uh, Cinema Story, the company. Yep. Um, but, you know, I was filming back in high school, you know, uh, skateboard videos, co- concerts, whatever, you know, short films in the backyard. You know, how, how did, uh, what was some of your first projects? So I actually got started through skateboarding as well. I actually typically was in front of the camera instead of behind the camera operating, and I grew up making skate videos and learning how to get into Final Cut 7. That was my intro. We were still uh, transcoding tape to uh, our NLE system, and it was slow and in real time, and it was rough. Um, and then we finally moved into the digital space. Uh, but I um, I started out in skateboarding, making skate videos, and then that, that's how I carried on. And for the, for the young generation that's listening or watching this right now, tape was literally like a device you put <laughs> into a camcorder, and it had a, a, this material that ran through two wheels and recorded the video image onto the tape. I just wanted to clarify because, yes. you know, everything's digital now, yeah. bro, and it's crazy. Yes, we both grew up in that tape generation, yep. man. Yep, it's so, wild. So, you know, moving through, like, uh, when was the, the – and I'm struggling to remember, but what was, like, the first time you got paid to mm. make something for somebody – in filmmaking, in the video production world? I think I did a a car detailing video, and I think I got paid 125 bucks, like, in total to, like, shoot and edit it, and I was like, hey, I'm making it as a filmmaker right now. Like, I got my first rack. Like, we're good. And uh, I shot and edited the whole thing, and it was that was the first paid project for me. 
man, if we could find that video and we'd like put it down in the comments somewhere <laughs> and, and I don't, Joey probably doesn't want it seen, but maybe even just a screenshot pops up. Cause that's gotta be, that's gotta be a classic. I remember the first time I got paid $500 for shooting and editing a video. And I thought I had reached Mount Everest and that I could climb no higher in my filmmaking career. And that was, that was a bigger moment for me than getting my first paid job. I think getting my first $500, it felt like that was it. Man, the joys, just talking, you know, looking back, like the, the journey is so much fun, man. It's so fun, it's, especially when you get to the other side of it and you're, you're looking back in retrospect like, man, that was a struggle, but it was such a beautiful time growing as an artist as a business person and as a young entrepreneur and now we're all jaded we're like i don't want to get out of bed unless i make x yeah. amount of money yeah you know so yeah here we that's are funny yeah what I, about you man gosh i don't i think my first paid gig was uh i was working in the restaurant industry still i graduated film school i don't think i got paid for anything before that uh and you know, I was like, well, this is it. I'm going to be bartending, bar managing forever. And this guy came in and was trying to sell video to the restaurant that I was managing. And the owner came out, talked to him, said, oh, we got a film guy here. We don't need that, you know? And I'm like, okay, like, I don't, I don't, you know, do it professionally. And, uh, and the guy said, hey, uh, let, let's talk. Like, I'd like you to work for us. And so I started doing a side hustle. I don't even remember what I got paid, but it was on tape. I was shooting on tape. I went to little businesses and uh, restaurants around town. Um, and so I think my first one, uh, I think it was laser hair removal. Whoa. Yeah. That's actually kind of a big deal for a first project. Yeah. I think it was that or it was... Uh, Making it to medical right out the gate. Yeah. Yeah, man. And... uh uh, there was a couple of other projects like a restaurant and stuff. I can't remember which one was first. This is circa like 2010 or 11. Um, but yeah, on tape, cutting it into Final Cut Pro 7. Yep. And, uh, and uh, you know, putting voiceover in. And, you know, I probably made 100, 150 bucks. Yeah. I don't know. You know, it was it yeah. was way back in the day. That's cool, man. Well, even prior to getting paid projects, there's a huge mountain when you're getting started as a filmmaker of unpaid projects that you do, which I kind of want to dive into because a lot of people getting started in the industry are like, hey, how do I do this? How do I make a living? Um, and I think it actually, you know, for me and most of the people that I know, in order to make a living doing this and to make a good living, there's a lot of unpaid work that goes into prior to making that first buck. Um, and I was going to see, like, tell me a little bit about your journey just in the unpaid part of becoming an artist and a filmmaker um, that kind of helped, you know, get you to where you're at right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's such a great point because uh, I think a lot of people will say, you know, you graduate college and you're like, I'm going to make money doing this. And, you know, back in uh, 2009 when I graduated, they said only 10% of you are still going to be in the industry. So you better go, you know, find a sales job somewhere. <laughs> you know, that was it. And so everybody either went to L.A., New York, or uh, you, you got into news. And I didn't want to do any of those things. And so I started my own company. And to start your own company, you have to do a lot of free stuff, right? You have to prove yourself because nobody, yeah, nobody wants to hire you to shoot that car, dealing, uh, car detailing commercial or the laser hair removal without some proof of work, right? And so 
you know, practice. That was the big thing. Like, I mean, it goes back to our skateboard video days, right? Uh, you know, we, we, we were doing it for fun, but it was uh, also practice and storytelling. Yeah. And so you kind of started to build that portfolio work. Um, and I will say even later in life, I've done free projects because I don't have a case study sample of that type of project. Yeah. And it's, it's, I'll be honest, sometimes they're even more rewarding than getting paid 100%. for the project because money isn't the issue. You're not thinking, well, I'm working this many hours and this day rate and man, I'm getting stretched here and oh, this, you know, I've got to hit this deadline. It's like, I'm doing this because I want to do it. And how creative can I be to make this really dope? 100%. The secret sauce to success as a filmmaker is to do unpaid projects that you're passionate about because passion is the secret ingredient that gives you your very best product. And that very first passion project that I ever created was literally what got us connected. Mm. It was like someone saw something that I would have never had enough, you know, financial resources to do if I didn't do it on my own. And you were like, Hey, this is, this is kind of cool. I want to work with this dude. And that was how I got started, but was by making projects that I would never be able to get paid for. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. right. When I saw your work, a lot of it was just passion. hundred percent. hundred percent projects. Yeah. Projects. yeah. yeah. I, don't, I don't even think you saw a client project at the time. And cause we got connected super early on. Yeah. Um, like when I was right out of college and I was still doing passion projects and though that was the portfolio that I built to get my first work with other people. Yep. Yep. That's true. Well, uh, for, for people that are just starting out, I think this is a big thing. And I see this on like forums all the time and it's highly debated, but would you say that gear matters more when you're mm. starting out? Or training, right? Is it the camera? Is it the filmmaker? <laughs> well, I'll say this. It's it's definitely not the gear. Um, and especially in the world that we live in today, like where everything is done on an iPhone and sometimes it's even preferred uh, in the social content space, uh, you can get started with just your phone and make a living doing video nowadays, which was not the case when we started. Um, yeah, there's filmmakers out there with iPhones putting yeah. our production companies yeah. out of jobs. Totally. And uh, I, I got hired even last year to do a full production day with just my iPhone. And wow. I'm like, I'm, even where I'm at right now, that's still being requested. Like, hey, go out and we need just iPhone footage, but we want you, the filmmaker, to tell the stories with the iPhone. How, did, how did you feel? Like you shot, your, you, know, you shot a feature film, you've DP'd hundreds, hey, if not if, thousands of projects, and you're like, hey, we want you to take this iPhone and make a... Make a video. To me, if I like the client and they want to pay my day rate, I got no problem going out and shooting on my iPhone. Yeah. yeah it's no maybe a new challenge, right? Yeah. And so so gear doesn't matter. I don't, it's the filmmaker, exactly. the training. And, and I'll say this, like especially getting started, the training is what started to show me all of the holes in the gear that I owned. Um, which I don't think you can really pinpoint until you get your hands dirty and you're like, wait, why can I not shoot this slow-mo in 4K? Mm. And it's like, oh, that's because you don't have a mm. camera that supports 4K slow motion. Or at the time, I didn't have 1080 slow motion. Yep. Uh, the camera was maxed at 1080 30p. Yep. And it was like, well, I can't do slow motion unless I go to 720. And that was where I was like, okay, so now I need nicer gear if I want to have 
have like a 1080 slow motion image. Or it was like, hey, why isn't, and at the time I was trying to use autofocus, it's like, why isn't this autofocus mm -hmm. working? It's like, well, you have a $300 camera, bro. Your autofocus is not going to work for <laughs> it's video. Garbage. Yeah. It's garbage. And you're like, wait, why is, why, why can't I get the background blurry? And it's like, oh, well, you have a lens that stops at like 5.6. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you start learning why you can't get the images that you want out of the gear that you have. But I think just from a storytelling perspective, you learn how to tell a story. You can, you can tell a beautiful story with an iPhone uh, and just get started right now. But once you really start getting into like mastering your craft, think, you know, there's a certain level at which you need like an X amount of gear, but the gear doesn't matter to be a great filmmaker and a storyteller. I 100% agree. And I like to say the project determines the gear right yeah. so for example even that that project which i don't know anything about it but there was a reason they wanted it on the iphone right. or on the well, so it was a social media campaign yeah. so, so the project determines the gear 100 and the experience determines the filmmaker that you pick for that position yep and so if you go back to that debate gear doesn't matter because you can always level up or rent or get the right gear for the project, but you can't always get the experience. And so yep. you need to constantly be doing the training, constantly practicing, getting the experience, Absolutely. doing the passion projects so that when that project does arise, you know what you're doing. Yeah. You've had some onset experience and you can get the right gear. As, as I want to say, Will Smith said, preparation has to meet opportunity and you have to do so much work in advance getting prepared for the opportunities that come up when you're a young filmmaker trying to break into the game. And if you haven't dealt with, you know, X, Y, Z before, you're setting yourself up to fail when a client's money is on the line instead of when you're doing your own passion project. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. It's good, man. So, uh, again, for those who are like starting out, how do you start making good content, right? Because mm. I'll admit, there's a lot of filmmakers out there. It's very saturated. Everybody is a filmmaker now because you have access in your pocket, your phone. How can people start leveling up and making good content as a brand new filmmaker? How do you do it, Joey? So I like to think of myself as a glass half full kind of guy. However, in this with this question, I'm I'm a somewhat negative uh i have a somewhat negative viewpoint on this where i think you almost have to go into it with the expectation that you're not going to make good content right out the gate like i have never heard of a filmmaker who said my very first project is something that i'm super super proud of and would love to show everybody once they're five years into the game for me i don't really want you to see anything that i did the first three years of being a filmmaker, maybe four years of being a filmmaker, because once you keep climbing, you get embarrassed by those first, you know, the projects that you're learning on. And so there's almost an expectation that the first several years, like first thousand days as a filmmaker, you are going to make subpar content. <laughs> like, and that's yeah. that's my negative viewpoint on it, but I, I don't know anyone who's come, you know, there will be projects that you're proud of, no doubt, and huge levels up in growth, mm. but like you have to go into it knowing that this is, this is a marathon, not a sprint. This is a long-term 
this is a long-term investment of your time. You're shaping yourself as an artist, like even, you know, athletes, like they weren't amazing athletes the first three years, like mm. musicians, like, yes, there's super talented musicians, but you don't get to become a super talented musician until you've put 10,000 hours in. Mm. And so I think you got to be ready for the climb of the 10,000 hours pursuit um, because you need all that experience, which is why going back to your previous point, that experience is so much more valuable because you're climbing faster to that 10,000 hour point quicker. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think if summarize what you're saying, and I agree with it is practice, practice, practice. 100%. You and, got to. And be okay to fail and look back and you laugh. Because I mean, I, I'll agree with you, man. I don't want anybody seeing the, the right. first stuff I did. No. And, and Again, we should put on like an event or something where I think this was your idea in the last uh, business meeting we had, but put on an event where we show our very first work in like a public space and be really embarrassed, but we were also going to call really it transparent. The, the cringies. The cringies. The cringies, because we all have cringy projects. I love it. I love um, it. I'm also very scared about that. Horrified. And now that I, you know, I don't, <laughs> to be transparent, I don't shoot that much anymore, right? Yeah. So I don't, I look back. It's like two, I have no cringy work two, that I've ever done. Yeah, well, no, I look, I look back two or three years. I'm like, I don't even want y'all to see that because yeah. we've got so many talented DPs and filmmakers that work for us and with us that I'm like, I don't want to share any of my yeah. stuff, man. Like, yeah. you guys are killing it. Let me keep producing and directing. You keep rocking the camera. And, and I'll say going back to that question, that was kind of like, a, you know, that that's the viewpoint on like, I'll say that's the mindset. You just have to be ready for the adversity that comes with becoming an artist because it's not an easy thing to start making really great art in a world full of really, really talented artists. Um, with the level that things are at now, like there is a lot of competition. Um, it is a dog eat dog world. People are really pushing the boundaries of what's possible as filmmakers um, with the stuff that's coming out nowadays and, and to be able to do it without a studio, right? Mm -hmm. Like what, what we can do now with the one man band used to take, you know, an army of people, not even that many years ago. Um, and, and, you know, with where we're at right now, if you have the mindset of, I am going to keep working hard, I'm going to keep striving to become better, then eventually you you'll get there, but it is a pursuit. And so to start making good content, you have to have the right mindset, um, going into it, yeah. um, which is that it's going to be hard, but, um, well, and I would add this too. So it's, it's the practice, it's the mindset, totally. it's looking back and not being like worried about, you know, you're always going to level up your next yeah. project is going to be your best project. Yeah. Right. But I think also the big thing to, to always remember is like research, right? 100%. You know, there's the saying, everything is copy. Right. Right. And that's a marketing term. Everything is copy. It, and it's true, and it's in, in film as well. Yeah. It's everything is original in some extent, but yeah. it is a copy of something else. And so it's great to start collecting uh, right. YouTube videos. It's great to start collecting Instagram, uh, people that you look up to in Instagram and watching their content and then even mimicking it, right? Yep. Uh, this guy puts out a you know product video uh, about coffee beans. Uh, let me try to do something. Right. Maybe I'll change it up, and it's you know I don't know lima beans. I don't know you know, but you make <laughs> you make it a little different, and you try to shoot it and make yeah. it look cool, and that's the practice. But I think you've got to remember to do you you uh, you want to have good practice, right? Totally. You want to have good coaches, yeah. right? These athletes that go out and train, they don't just go you know keep right. swinging the bat at the ball and missing. They want to know how they to have the proper technique, and so 
training is yeah. important. And I think we're going to do a whole podcast on, you know, the debate between film school and yeah, is yeah, it yeah. worth it? And, and But we won't get into that right yeah, now. Yeah. But I would say, you know, practice, training, and don't be worried about your last project. Be excited about your next 100%, project. 100%. 100%. And I, I'll add this to it, too, while we're still on the topic. Um, one, like, one, to your point, you have to be a self-motivated, lifelong learner of the craft. Facts. Like, always a student of the game. I am still a student of the game, still studying, like, religiously, daily, everything that I'm consuming if it's just a movie I'm watching with my wife, if it is content I'm consuming on social media, if it is me going out and training, like I am always a student of the game to this day. The other thing that I would say is if you fall, like once you fall in love with learning, find a mentor. Mentors are a huge way to leapfrog the competition to get started as a filmmaker. And for those that don't know Shane and myself, Shane has been a mentor to me for a long time, especially getting started, gave me my first opportunity right out of film school to start making money, uh, to stop looking for individual jobs and just have a production company that was investing into me as I helped them get content and do shoots. But having somebody who's gone before you who can kind of say, hey, instead of wasting, you know, a thousand of those hours trying to... Uh, figure out this the hard way. Here's the secret code, like here's the cheat codes to leveling up quicker so that you can just focus on this path instead of go down this one in the wrong direction or, or, or fumble your way through for a long time. And, and I want to say this, that is one regret that I have, a big mistake that I made that probably took me so long is that I failed to find that mentor. I, I had some people come in yeah. to my life and I would, <clears throat> I would get value and I would really soak that up but I didn't have that long-term mentorship, uh, and it does, it's a shortcut. I mean, I was – bro, I started the company in 2010. Totally. It probably wasn't really a real company until 2016, yeah. six years of a lot of debt, a lot of tears and sweat and some blood even, you know, and, and you're still like, I don't know. Maybe yeah. I need to go back to the restaurant world or Uber Eats, right. DoorDash. You know, and uh, those things weren't around back yeah. then. But you know what I'm saying? It was it was a struggle. It's just such a, a you know, a, a way to jump ahead of the competition is to be the dumbest person in the room and surround yourself with people who can pour into you and, and, and invest into you. And a lot of times filmmakers want to teach other people what they know and see other people grow. Like when, when I have younger filmmakers around me, the first thing that I want to do is be like, hey, like there's a better way. Like, let me show you this because there were so many people that did the same thing for me when I was getting started. It's like, hey, there's a better way. Like, you don't have to light it from this side. You don't have to shoot it from this side. Here's technical blah, blah, blah. Like, all of these things that can help you where it's like, oh, the light bulb moments go off nonstop and you just see yourself growing and climbing at a rapid race. Yeah, always be learning. I think if you – I always – Tell people, you know, if you're not learning, you better be dead. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> because because the time you think you know everything yeah, in the industry 100%. or about anything, man, you, you're lying to yourself yeah. and you're setting yourself up for failure. So I love learning. And, you know, so you good. try not to learn on set, but you're, you're going to have to learn <laughs> right. on set, too, and think quick. You know, yeah. that's that's the nature of the game. 100%. Um, but then I, I just got to say some bro love, too, because, you know, even though I was a mentor, hopefully still a mentor to you. 
you know, now we get to share this yeah. mentorship when it comes to even business. And, and, you know, I've kind of fallen into a producing, directing role and running a company and you help with all that as well. But now when it comes to cameras, I'm like, hey, Joey, where's the record button on this camera? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And he's all like, you know, hey, sit down, old man. Let me, let me do this. Student of the game, baby. Yeah. Student of so, the game. And that's the beautiful thing about mentorships. Pour into people. Yeah. Maybe there's mentors out there. It's, a, it's worth investing into people with passion and and uh, uh, the the experience. They want to gain that experience yeah. uh, because it's going to level up your game as well. And so, 100%. you know, I appreciate that both sides. Absolutely, man. Well, without being too negative on, on the podcast of it taking forever and you got to learn a million things, there are ways to make money mm. getting started before you are, you know, Steven Spielberg himself. Um, and so talk to me about some of the ways that early on that you were able to make money as a filmmaker so that while you're, you know, climbing, uh, to your 10,000 hours that you can feed your family at the same time. So have you, uh, heard of OnlyFans and <laughs> feet pictures? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, oh, uh, okay. So I have if some... y'all really knew Shane, you'd know how funny that is. <laughs> <laughs> I have to, uh, I have to say, uh, I have some unpopular opinions for this one. Okay. All right. Because, uh, again, going back to filmmaker forums and, you know, I'm in several and I, I usually am just the fly on the wall yeah. and just watching the chaos ensue. But uh, you start off by working on projects at small rates. Yeah, and and all the old guys in the forums are gonna be like, "You're killing the industry. It's race a race to the, to the bottom." Yep. And I'm like, "Let me say this, and I've said it in the forums before. If you're worried about those filmmakers that are charging those low rates, taking your clients, those should never be your clients to begin 100%. with. Hundred percent. You haven't leveled up your game, your marketing, or your clientele." If you're still worried about people that are paying $500 a project, $800 a project, they're not your clients. Man's preaching right now, y'all. Anyways, Tune I in. always get frustrated with that. But so I would say this. One of the word, story time, one of the, this goes all the way back early on in the career. Uh, I worked for eHow, which was before YouTube was like the biggest popular, um, you know, video hosting channel. It was definitely already very popular, but... Uh, eHow was like where you would go to watch stuff that you're like, how do I change my tire? Yeah. How do I do my taxes? You would go to eHow, type in the question, you'd watch a video. And so I was getting contracted by Demand Media. I don't know if they're still around. Tag them if they are. And uh, I, I would go out and film an expert, and I would have to do uh, 10 videos in one setting, right? So 10 different interview setups, 10 different topics, get the talent through. And the reason why is I made $35 per video, $35. So to make $350, I had to shoot 10 videos and then go do the edit, right? So it took me two or three days to make 350 to make $3,500 in a month. I had to do a hundred videos. I, I, did that for a long time. I made 900 videos for Demand Media. That's crazy. Okay, I don't know what the math is on that, but you know, it wasn't a lot of money, especially yeah. over time. But, but I started off small, and and I will say, it's okay to do that because 100%. one, you, you're building experience, like we talked about, yep. ten thousand hours. I yeah, ten thousand hours for sure. Uh, and then I I uh, I had a mentor, right? I had a producer that was working with me, so I was learning the system of of producing, directing, working with a talent. And I got tons of practice with it, right? 900 videos. And then the other part was uh, um, the over time, okay, uh, you have to develop formulas. Yeah. All right? Because you go, 
And this this has helped us at Cinema Story figure out formulas and processes because I go, man, thirty five bucks isn't a lot, um, but I'll take it. And I'm gonna. What can I gain more than just the money right. from this? Right. I have to pay bills. I have to keep the electricity on. But what else can I gain? And I learned how to formulate the edit right, so I could go faster in the edit yeah. because I needed to do a hundred videos a month, and that's a lot of shoot days, a lot of edits. And I also understood how to work with talent and formulate that experience. Right. I know how to get them relaxed, mic them up. Mm-hmm. Okay, here, walk through this. Like, let's not waste time. Let's get through each question and topic, shoot my B-roll. Everything was a formula. So get started by being okay with accepting those low-paying projects. Yeah. Uh, don't worry about what the old guys say. Now, the goal is to level up, right, by experience, by yeah. learning how to do things better. And that's what I did at eHow. I brought in Drone. They had never seen Drone in their videos before. And this is Phantom 1, bro, with mm-hmm. the GoPro that shook like this, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and they were like, this is the coolest thing. And yeah. you know, now we look back on it, you know, it's probably banned from YouTube for how bad yeah. of the quality it was. <laughs> you know, we we so we tried, I tried to level up stuff and, and experiment so that then I, I, I mean, I took those videos and showed there was a swim school that we did a the questions at okay like these uh, the 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 ten topics with the uh, swim school uh, teachers, and then I talked to the owner. I said, "Hey, do y'all uh, do y'all need a commercial shot or anything like that?" I started working with the swim school um, not too long after that, and so these small opportunities can turn into big opportunities that paid way more, and so that's why it's worth it to do the unpaid work, right? Like what we just talked about, but. My biggest takeaway, I guess, and I want to hear your side as well yeah. and how, how, how it was for you, but don't be afraid of what the old dudes are saying. Try not to stay in the low, the race to the bottom yeah. gang. Is, it's a know, great for a starting long time. place, but it's not a long-term But don't pursuit. be afraid of it. Yeah, don't yeah. be afraid of it. Yeah. Get your feet wet. Well, and yeah, I, I mean, to your point, I did a, so much underpaid work getting started on, on the climb up, but there, there's a saying that I'm sure everyone or most people have heard you feed a man a fish, you feed him once, teach a man to fish, you feed him for life. And when when you go out and you're looking for um, clients and you're trying to pick them off like one by one, uh, it's some months are super slow, some months are great. It's a really slow game to build your clientele. Uh, but if you go to a production company and you – Start trying to build relationships with one company that has clients coming in already. That company is going to be able to feed you regularly and consistently um, where you don't have to go out and find one client or, or, you know, five to seven clients every single month so that you can pay your bills, especially when you're getting started, like five clients, and you know, it's hardly making rent. But if you can find a company when you're getting started that is already bringing in the money, they're already doing the marketing, they're doing the producing, they're negotiating higher rates for you, they already have, you know, an infrastructure of a website and, you know, clientele. If I go and network with one production company, that company is going to give me X amount of jobs for the year. If I do that with five companies, where now I have five big client pools, off just five conversations, like five networking opportunities, I can get fed as a filmmaker for the year being the go-to guy for the production company, which is what 
which is what initially happened with us. Like you already had clients. I was really struggling to get my own clients. I was getting a handful here and there, maybe like, you know, 10 a year at best. Like my first year, I was like once a month, maybe um, I'd get one person who wanted to give me a couple hundred bucks. But if I could just, once I built the relationship with the company, it was like, oh, now I'm starting to get, you know, five to 10 projects a month, which is what I could do on my own in just 30 days. And, and so for me getting started as a filmmaker, if you can network, like send out 20 emails a day to everyone in your city, to every production company, DP, director, producer that you can find on social media, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Craigslist. I don't care where they're at. If you send the emails 20 a day for two weeks, you are going to stay significantly busier than you would on your own for the for the rest of that year. Man, it, it's brilliant. Uh, no, it's it, it's more than two cents, man. That's a million dollars. It yeah. adds up. And it's crazy because I remember when you first told me that, I was just like, dang, why didn't I do that back in 2009 yeah. and 10 when I yeah. graduated? Well, there wasn't a lot of film coming. A lot, of, a lot has changed, right? Totally. It was, again, like I said, it was go to news, go to LA, go to New York. Now there's a lot of production companies. And when you told me that, it was like a light bulb moment. I was like, oh my gosh. So yeah. 100%, I think that is the number one route for people to go get into the networks with the production companies, man. They're out there doing the yeah. marketing. They're out there doing, you know, building the infrastructure. They're they're covering the insurance. They're covering all the overhead. If you can, and you want to be a filmmaker and you want to get in the work, right. it's the way to do it. Well, and I think when I was getting started, like that first year, I think I got to like five or six, like pretty decently sized production companies um, that I became their go-to guy for a project on. And my books were full. Like I, I remember like having conversations with my friends, like, bro, I'm working too much. Like <laughs> I'm so tired of never having a day off. And it was like frustrating, like just five or six companies and like a couple, you know, hit or miss clients here and there, like year round slammed. And, and that was me getting started. And I was like, well, work has never been easier to find. Like, I don't, I don't market, I don't network, I don't do it. Like, I got five. <laughs> yeah, Joey, uh, he still says that to me every once in a while. Man, I don't have a whole day off in October. And I'm like, bro, be thankful, bro. We're, it's blessed. Feast it's or blessed. famine, man. <laughs> uh, that's right. Yeah. And then January hits and we go, hey, uh, where's those $35 projects? I'll take yeah. one right now. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. I don't know what it is, but January and February are always our slowest months. Q1, man. Q1, no one wants to spend, but that's okay. We, we'll change that. So, uh, okay, we, we got to move on. That, yep. that is a wealth of knowledge, though, man. But yep. uh, consistent, how do, you, how do you get consistent work? And I think you've, you kind of answered that in yeah. that. I mean, being a consistent uh, asset to these production companies, you're going to, you're going to, continue to get work totally. right and then if you hopefully you get connected with cinema story or somebody that i right. like hey i want you to be busy all the time with cinema story right and so yeah. we've kind of pipelined a lot of the work but you still freelance out totally you know? he he keeps his book busy and uh we have to share calendars because i'm like joey yeah. why are you cheating on cinema story i need you <laughs> on this date well one of the things that i'll add to you know networking with production companies is people have to, like when you're getting started, people have to know you as the filmmaker mm -hmm. and you have to brand yourself as whatever you are. If you're an editor, if you're a DP, if you're a director, if you're a producer, um, you know, if 
your your own production company, like you have to get started branding yourself and putting your work out there and saying, hey, this is what I do. Like here's, you know, posting all my free projects. Here's behind the scenes on those free projects. Like people are going to over time get to know you as a filmmaker. And so when people that you haven't even spoken to in years have something come up, you're top of mind because you are constantly saying, hey, look at me, I make videos. And so I, I get hit up all the time. I actually have one of my biggest clients came from somebody who I knew seven years ago, hadn't spoken to him in almost a decade, and they knew me as a filmmaker from not who I was when I knew them, but who I was now with the stuff that I share online, and they're one of my biggest clients to this day. I, I think we got to do a whole podcast on personal branding 100%. as a filmmaker because 100%. I think you know you've you've got a lot of uh, case study experience and so I would just real quick let's not go too deep into sure. this but how important is it to put your content out on social media and be present man I'll, I'll be honest I am not the very best in the world at self-marketing I I still do it um, and, I, and I'm and I would definitely call myself an active social media person but I know that there's room for improvement um, but it is I kick myself all the time because I'm not better at it mm. because I think it is one of the most important things that you can do as a filmmaker in today's day and age, especially if you don't, if you struggle with getting clients and you're not posting on social media, like you're, you're digging your own grave and you have to be showing the work that you're doing you behind the scenes. People have to know what you're capable of doing from a, branding stance before you ever get hit up for work in that area yeah it's like it's like nike or anything else top of mind right top of mind that's why you see their commercial apple you see the commercials everywhere right banner poster social media and so social media is a free way to do that 100 constantly right and so you said when a production company sees oh man there's joey on a feature film oh there's joey just practicing with his equipment at yeah. home. He's doing a flat lay of his gear. Look at the new gear he's added. It's all important for uh, those producers and directors of production companies because yeah. they go, oh, top of mind. Yep. This guy's busy. This guy's active. Yep. Let me reach out to him. Top of mind. Yeah, Definitely. Love it, man. Um, well, I know we got to wrap up the podcast here pretty soon. Um, is there anything else that you want to add to getting started as a young filmmaker trying to break into the game um, that you think would really help level them up that uh, would just really take their careers to the next level. Man, I think we've covered <clears throat> I think we've covered so much of it and I would I would I would ask you as as the uh, younger generation filmmaker, what would be the one thing if you had to tell somebody today the one thing that they could do today to get started like what would be like number one out the door, this is what you need to do. Step one. I will say one of the things that helped me the most, like, you know, you got to have mindset, you know, you got to, you got to be ready for the climb. You got to be ready to learn. You got to do all the things that we've talked about. Um, but one of the things that I think really gave me an edge, um, and helped me as a filmmaker was making entire projects by myself. Um, it taught me a little bit about what to do as a shooter, as an editor, as, uh, getting audio, Um, If I ever wanted to incorporate special effects, if I needed to learn this program, if I needed to fly a drone, like I wanted to be the guy that was maybe not an like an expert in all trades, but I had done them at some point 
um, because it made me a well-rounded filmmaker. And so now, like, I, I can run audio if I need to. I don't, but I can. I can I can fly a drone. I can edit. I can shoot. I can do these things. And when if you want to be a shooter, if you want to be a DP, if you want to light and gaff or whatever, like, if you've done all of the roles, you have the experience of what's needed in that circumstance, and that gives you a huge edge on the competition, and it allows you especially if you're a shooter, to shoot for the edit in mind. Because there's some people out there who have directed, but they've never edited the stuff that's being shot. And they, you know, it makes you such a more efficient, um, you know, whatever craft you're pursuing, it makes you so much more efficient to have practiced that role so that you can execute or, or delegate at a higher level as you continue to climb in the craft. 100% 100% agree, and I'm so glad you brought that up because I, I, from 12 years of hiring contractors for projects, the shooters that have edited their own projects or other projects before bring the most value 100%. to a set. And so, no, it, and it, even better if they know how to record audio, right? Because they're right. probably going to have cleaner audio recording even on camera if it's a you know more of a run and gun type thing. So there's so much value to learning all of the aspects yeah. of filmmaking um, because it makes you more valuable and you, you can you can know them all and be an expert in one and that's okay absolutely but well, and I think you really find what you love and what makes you come alive in your craft by practicing and doing a little bit of all of them and so I've chopped up audio I have recorded audio I know how to do it and I do not wish to continue in that arena but I'm so <laughs> thankful that I know how to do it And, you know, it's like I know how to, you know, tell a key grip what to do, but I have no desire to carry mambo combo stands across an entire film set. It's just not my gig. And, and, you know, it's like having, but having done that, I know when I ask a grip, hey, we need to fly this on two mambo combos. I know that I'm asking him for a very physically demanding task. And it makes me more compassionate when it's taking longer to get there than, you know, I want it to as a DP. Uh, but it, because I have actually done that, it helps me as a filmmaker, you know, be able to understand, you know, a little bit about all of the roles that go into something. Yeah. And bring more value to it. You know, it, right. just like the shooter and the editor thing, shooting for the edit, it's so important. And so that's the great part that you mentioned about, you know, compassion. And I think, you know, this is a whole nother topic uh, that we could go into, but your onset etiquette, right? Yeah. How that goes, the experience is everything. 100%. I've worked with everything. crews from LA. I've worked with local production companies. I've worked all over the country. I've worked uh, internationally. And uh, man, I'm telling you, the experience, like there's, I was, I got paid great money and said, I'll never do that project again Absolutely. because I didn't like the people and the right. experience. So I would say, as one more last point is, as you are becoming a filmmaker, remember the compassion part. Remember the professionalism part totally. and the experience. And I think you said this at the beginning, but the being self-motivated, right? You should never be sitting down on set with a cell phone. Right. You should be always the first guy asking. As you're leveling up, as you're a PA, as you're a first AC, hey, what do you need? How can I help? Can I, can I carry this? Can I set this up for you? What can I do? Right, those are the people that we call over and over again on our projects, because sometimes it might be annoying. I'm like, "Hey, bro, slow down. We, you know, we're we're waiting on the yeah. mambo combo stand to be set up. But yeah. why don't you go and see if you can help G and E? Right, it's great. So, being proactive on set, 
and uh, and learning all the different roles, man, puts you way ahead 100%. of of people. Yeah, man. Well, I think this has been a super, super enlightening podcast just for, uh, you know, it's great to hear your, you know, your come up story, getting started as a filmmaker. And I know there's people out there that, um, you know, this, this is the cheat code 101. And it's like, if you don't hear anything, like, just start shooting, uh, just start creating projects, just start and being ready to fail. It's, it's going to get you, um, you know, to where you're trying to get to. And so, um, and if you have any other questions, getting started as a filmmaker, Shane and myself are always available to be reached and contacted to help everyone else level up in their craft as well. We love pouring into other young filmmakers and, and whatnot. And so if you do have questions getting started, we're happy to, uh, answer those and, and, and we'll soon be doing a podcast just on your questions. So absolutely. We'll put our little, maybe social media handles down here or something and yeah. reach out, DM us, comment. Follow. We love to get connected. We love to encourage the the next batch of filmmakers. And like we said, we got to keep leveling up our game. For sure. Every day is a training day. Absolutely. Let's do it. Awesome, man. Great episode.